Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you 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 must be so excited. Listen now. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com This is a podcast from The Bugle. You've heard a lot about the Bermuda Triangle, silly urban legends about disappearing ships and planes. You dismissed them out of hand. That is, until your parents, both of them sea captains, went missing on separate voyages. Now the wind howls and the waves break against the prow of your own ship as you hurl yourself into the unknown, fueled only by your hunger for revenge. Reason, like your crew, has abandoned you. Captain Ahab seems calm and absent-minded by comparison. You spent all your money on old maps, not even treasure maps, just maps of places, and toilet paper, which is a waste, because your ship's toilet apparently doesn't take toilet paper, which is gross. Your voyage is unending. You're ranting in couplets at whoever will listen on the way to a wedding, and then you see it, the source of the legend, insatiable in its hunger for ships. It's not a triangle after all. It's not even aliens. It's the goggle. The sonic glossy magazine to the Bugle's audio news paper for visual world this is the goggle the only podcast that eats ships like chips and then burps and asks for more ships all the news none of the politics i'm your host alice fraser and your guest editors for this week uh neil and nabil welcome hi good to be here i didn't realize we were going to go with a nautical theme but i appear to have um dressed perfectly adequately first you have you've got a sideways stripy shirt for our listeners who are not watching in the audio world i'm actually on a ship uh well a boat it's a boat. What? At what point does a boat transition into a ship? Hmm. It has to have a flag. It has to have a flag. Interesting. But if yeah, there's a kayak with a flag, I don't think... Oh, yeah, it has to be hoistable, I get. Okay. Um, that makes sense. If it's a hoistable flag, if uh, any gugglers have any more knowledge about what it takes <laughs> for a boat to be promoted to a ship, please tweet us at hellogugglers on Twitter. Uh, In just a minute, we're going to sit together quietly in the waiting room that is this week's stories. But first, uh, let's have a look at the front page. The front page this week of the magazine is a picture of the Queen looking longingly off into the distance, a place where nobody's running motorised corgi robots around the streets because you said you liked them once. The Jubilee is just the weirdest stalker you ever had. Imagine we all celebrated the anniversary of us getting a job with this level of intensity. What would they be sending motorized through the streets for you, Neil? Oh God, the first uh, I my first ever job was uh, a software engineer. So what would they do? Just, but it was a long time ago. So just floppy disks on tiny casters, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> Nabil, I was a nightclub bouncer, man. That was my first proper job. Like I was while I was at college. Everyone else was working at Blockbuster Video, but I thought, no, I want to grapple with drunks on the weekend. So I, I reckon we'd have like really angry people with inadequate footwear 
Um, <laughs> the drug people that don't realize they're drug just walking outside my window swearing at me. Um, not too different from living in South London, to be honest. So I reckon, yeah, I, I already have my jubilee. You sound like the, the politest bouncer I've ever encountered. That footwear is frankly inadequate. <laughs> See, I absolutely agree with you, Nabil. I go, you know, obviously go home late at night from these gigs and I see these ladies in, and it's it's not slut-shaming. I just think they're not wearing enough clothes. Like, particularly if it's winter, that's like 4% clothes, 96% goosebumps. And I just think print out a nude selfie and staple it to a warm jumper and then we'll all be happy. <laughs> I, I just want to know how they avoid frostbite at this point because that, that's what they're playing with. I don't know what it is they do. Have they discovered some new form of tantric self-warming? I mean, there's a cost of living crisis here. They need to let all of us know the secret. What kind of meditation are you doing to generate that much heat? Cast your mind back, though. I know these are sensible things, but when we were 20, none of us thought like this. Nobody looked at somebody scantily clad of the sex that you were attracted to and went, do you know something? My main concern there is the ratio of goose pump to warmth covered flesh. We were raging hormones. Yeah, yeah, we're not going, ooh, are they doing the Wim Hof breathing method to get through the cold? <laughs> I bet their their lungs are toasty. Yeah. We were. <laughs> Uh, the satirical cartoon this week is a picture of a Tory in a psychiatrist's office. His head is in his hands. His speech bubble is going, I just don't know. And the psychiatrist's speech bubble is saying, what does confidence mean to you? <laughs> and now it's time for our top stories. Wedding news up first. The king is dead and so is the Elvis officiated wedding. The licensing company that controls the Elvis Presley name and image have sent out cease and desist letters across Vegas calling for a halt to now what we now know are illegal Elvis-themed weddings. Um, for those who are looking to make a terrible mistake or a great decision, this is really bad news. Uh, although I guess Winnie the Pooh has now entered the public domain, so maybe there's a niche in the market. Uh, Nabil, can you unpack this Elvis-themed story? I mean, there's so many angles. Uh, you know, of all, of all the immoral stuff people have used his likeness for, I don't understand why people are so upset. But I am getting people married. That's that's an amazing thing. And, and also, you know, a lot of people want, like, they're still huge fans for the life of me. I don't know why. But there are still huge fans of Elvis who want to do this. And, you know, one, um, uh, one bride was really upset. She had a nervous breakdown because of this... Uh, you know, news. Uh, apparently, she was all shook up. Boo! <laughs> <laughs> boo! I boo you like Boris Johnson going up the steps of the Queen's <laughs> Jubilee. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to. But yeah, you did I have mean, to. You did. You know, <laughs> I mean, come on now. With with all the stuff we've seen people do with his likeness, this is what you're clamping down on, <laughs> really? Like, does anybody remember the old Eminem videos? Does anybody remember, you know, the, the episodes of The Simpsons, Family Guy? It's 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 the it's 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 weddings. You want you have smoke for? I I think priorities uh, are a strange thing. Uh, maybe I'm getting old. I don't know. <laughs> um, you know, I, I see the price of uh, blue suede shoes dropping. I don't know, man. I just sorry, I did it again. I did it again. <laughs> it's Elvis, man. He's that's what he exists for. Cheesy you- humor. Are you podcasting from Heartbreak Hotel? Is that where we're doing this from? 
Why is it always marriage with Elvis Presley? This is what I want to know on people who are dressed up as Elvis Presley. It is the only sacrament that they go for. Like you, you never see somebody dressed as Elvis down the hospice, giving last rites to anybody or hearing a confession or sacrament of the sick. They only want the glamorous ones. That's my issue with this. And my other issue with this is there must be a point if you're in Las Vegas, right? And you're an Elvis impersonator and you don't get a letter like that's a real insult surely isn't it oh yeah oh yes <laughs> like 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 there must be ones where they're going did you get a letter barry yeah yeah you you got a letter you got a letter as well i just i just don't think i look a look like elvis isn't that that's what it is isn't it and they're trying to console the dude. No, Kevin. I mean, I mean, traditionally he's he's had the two eyes. But I mean, from a certain angle, I think I think you look fine. They've got something against little people. No, it could it, it could be it could just be as straightforward as anti ginger bias. We don't know what the reason is, Kevin. We don't know the reason. I'm stuck on the image of a of an Elvis sitting like an old like a late stage Elvis sitting on a toilet eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and like baptizing a baby with a water gun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Somebody just holds up a baby from a distance and he gives the full pump action job. Yeah. What I really want to see is, um, you know, Elvis themed exorcisms. So I mean, like, ladies and gentlemen, Satan has left the building. You know, <laughs> he went that old. I, I mean, be creative with it. You're right. Why just marriages, man? Why just marriages? Well, I mean, does this have anything to do with the uh, new Elvis movie coming out? Do you, do you think that's what it is? Ooh, Baz you know? Lerman's one. Oh, yeah, wow. I mean, that that would have surely seen caused a like big boom in business. You know, I, such terrible timing for an Elvis impersonator. Like, who who are you gonna move to next? James Brown? Maybe not a good idea. I'm sort of interested by this Elvis situation because he was not a very longly married man. Like, he wasn't known yeah. for marital fidelity. So it doesn't seem like you know a, an auspicious beginning to a match or is that why you're doing it is like are you going to an elvis chapel for your marriage because you know in your heart of hearts that it's sort of a it's a it's a practice wedding well if you're going to do that why don't you go the whole hog and i would have like henry the <laughs> conduct my wedding i mean what a stark message to send to your spouse <laughs> you standing there with your new wife go well listen <laughs> you better keep yourself a lighter. You know what could happen. <laughs> Prenup sign. Do you reckon in the future it'll be like Will Smith and Jada weddings? Because I mean, I mean, that's <laughs> true. That's very true. That, yeah, it's okay for you to say that. You were a former bouncer. I reckon Will Smith could take me. So I'm saying nothing on that. <laughs> well, that's all the time we have for our wedding news because now it's time for your ads. Your ad section now because you can't be what you can't buy. You love a horse, but it's too noble, too fine, too well-bred, too unwilling to leave you in the middle of the desert to die. This episode of the podcast, in conjunction with the gritty reboot of the Disney version of The Hunchback of Notre Dame, brings you Camels. Camels, the upsetting horse that wants to spit on you. <laughs> and are you sad? Are you moved? Are you cutting an onion? Why not drip water out of your eyes? Crying. The most socially accepted leakage. And... In a world where cinema is dominated by fresh original ideas, finally there's someone brave enough to make the sequel we've all been waiting for. From the producers of the cult hit film that got everyone talking and the company that's kept you relatively hydrated over the last few years, two girls, half a glass of water. <laughs> Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. 
This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Now it's time for our archaeology news now. Uh, Neil Delamere, you're our archaeology correspondent. A metal detectorist has unearthed a 2,000-year-old penis pendant. Uh, Can you unpack this story for us? This is fantastic. I'll be honest with you. When I saw the headline, this is the headline, Metal Detectorist Unearths 2,000-Year-Old Penis Pendant. I genuinely thought, there's no way they can know that's how it was worn. But it turns out, I genuinely thought that. It turns out it's a a pendant like and not for a penis. But line after line gives pause for thought in this article. This uh, estate agent was out and she was uh, uh, with her metal detector and it was on New Year's Eve and she found this thing. And the lines in it, Roman parents would kit their children out with penis shaped pendants to protect them from the evil eye. Which I would have thought was (laughs) kind of the same thing. Fighting fire with fire, I would have thought. Uh, if penises protect you from evil, well then no hen party would ever be thrown out of a comedy club and we all know that that is wrong. Um, <laughs> Pliny attributed the phallus to the embodiment of uh, Fascinus, the guardian of infants and generals. How does someone end up with infants and generals? How late was the god to that queue of stuff to protect? Like, what's left? Uh, we've got uh, roadkill and microwaves, uh, nettles and printer ink, or generals and babies. I'll go for general and so- Generals and babies. I don't want to um, sort of shit on your parade, but St. Valentine is lovers, uh, epilepsy and bees. What? I mean, that's that's a pretty eclectic group. Of, I mean, he was multi-skilled, clearly. And his bones are in Dublin, are in Angel Street in Dublin, apparently, Valentine's bones. That's or very po- nice. Or possibly the Irish tourism industry may have made stuff up to attract American tourists. <laughs> I mean, it's one of the two of those things. Allegedly, Oliver Cromwell's head somewhere on the grounds of my college uh, in Cambridge. Uh, good. Yeah, there was. I had an Irish housemate who used to just go and pee in random corners of the college, hoping at some point to get Oliver Cromwell's head. No, that's a cat thing. We're like, we're just marking territory. That's what that is. <laughs> I I want to see this penis shaped pendant. What I want to see, right, is as the archaeological correspondent of the gargle, I want to see an old lady turn up with this on the Antiques Roadshow and then go for it but like only in the most graphic terms imaginable I want all of them to lean in I want like oh this is a lovely piece how did you come by it well my father was a cockmonger and his grandfather was a cockmonger before him I come from a long line of cockmongers we had a cockmonger shop in the high street well it's a magnificent dong look at the exquisite detailing on the bell end look at the quality (laughs) of the silver it's like wally's flute short of the golden phallus i saw in rome that could have been the very schlong of c-3po himself this is wonderful look at the tautness of the banjo string perfectly in keeping of the with the time a lot of these now are mass produced by the victorians but if we turn it over there will be a little stamp on the taint just towards the rectum (laughs) and there it is this is worth a fortune 
And then like, but I you... wouldn't be parted from it. I want to, I just lean in, please. I mean, I, I love the penis fact that actually apparently the shape of the penis is to um, get out previous sperms from anyone who might have been uh, in a vagina before you. So it's like an evolutionary thing. And sometimes I, I think, well, with, with frenulums like these, who needs enemas? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. If you if we just turn off our microphones now, I know the gargle is short if we do it like that. But I mean, what's the podcast equivalent of mic drop <laughs> or Mickey drop, as we call it in Ireland, given the subject matter? I just don't understand the connection between a penis and the evil eye. I mean, surely that would attract it. I mean, you've been in. Have you ever been in the urinal and the guy next to you is leaning over and looking? I mean, like for me, that happens all the time because they they want to know if it's true, right? <laughs> <laughs> awkward really awkward uh but yeah i, I wonder like what, what's what's the the amount of luck to size of of, of pendant like is, is it the bigger it is the less lucky you are because people get jealous and it attracts the evil eye i mean is this why the romans always made the penises on statues much smaller because they thought that the big ones were trouble there's so much to unpack here i want to know like what were they flaccid were they turgid were they circumcised is that like no oh they weren't I think that genuine dependent, I don't think was circumcised. Oh, because this is probably 2,000 years, so that's probably pre-Christian then, isn't it? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all the time we have for our ancient penis news because now it's time for your reviews. As you know, each week we ask our guest editors to bring in something to review out of five stars. Uh, Nabil Abdul-Rashid, what have you brought in for us? Right. So today I would like to review my blender right it's amazing chopping things pounding things grinding things when you're as lazy as me you don't have the strength to do all of that when you want to make a soup you know like why would i like soups are things our ancestors have eaten for thousands of years but we know better than them we need something that mashes things instantly it takes away the love and the care for cooking and it makes cooking a quickie it may it makes cooking casual i'm a casual cook i like my cooking i like my cooking fast i like it fast and loose i like it i like it technologically just you know I like it to be technologically advanced. I'm tired of the old ways. I want to find a new way to do everything. I look for reasons to blend stuff, okay? And sometimes, yes, all my previous <laughs> smoothies taste like things I've made before. But I blend everything now. Because apparently, when you blend stuff, it becomes good for you. They tell you you shouldn't eat too many fruits a day because the sugar is bad for you. But when you blend them, it's absolutely fine. Um, apparently lentils and stuff not good for you but when you blend them it's absolutely fine and the same thing with my tax return apparently <laughs> i think i might be going to prison is what i'm saying <laughs> but blenders guys they make everything better move with the times how move many out times. of five well depending on whether or not hmrc comes for me after why i blended i would give it a sliding two and a half to three for blenders but yeah, try juicing, guys. It's good. <laughs> Neil Delamere, what have you brought in for us to review? I have reviewed the Champions League final because I went to Paris last week for the Liverpool-Real Madrid Champions League final. And um, how many stars would I give it? Well, when I go to Paris, particularly Paris or anywhere in France, I like to try new food, salads and new drinks. Uh, uh, but I found something that didn't agree with me. Uh, tear gas. <laughs> uh, never, never really got the taste for it. Um, I didn't like how it was presented. I didn't like. 
I prefer the sweeter gases like oxygen and air. Air would be a big one for me. Um, it wasn't very pleasant trying to get into the match at all. What the French police didn't expect, I think, is that um, when they fired tear gas at the crowd that I was in, that my friend Tim would react in quite the way he did because Tim was raised in Belfast in the 70s. So when they fired the tear gas, he walked towards the tear gas. And uh, they were not expecting this level of kind of unaffectedness. He was just like, ah, oh, it's just a bit of atmosphere. Come on. It's no difference between tear gas and dry ice. Come on. <laughs> and uh, it was really bizarre because we saw this French cop like with a little kind of mortar thing for firing the tear gas. And he just went, Dunk! And Tim just started shouting at him and he's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And your man's looking at him. He's like, keep your elbow in and angle it up a bit more. What an amateur. So that was a very peculiar part of it. The match itself was good. But overall, I think, mm, streaming your eyes while being unprovoked, and, uh, <laughs> unprovokedly attacked by the French police. I've got to give it one, one and a half stars, I have to say. One and a half stars. It's actually just one star, but the the half star is just the blurring at the edge of your currently damaged yes. vision. Yeah. And that's all the time we have for our review section. Now it is time for our travel news. Irish airline Ryanair has finally stepped up to do something about the real pandemic. Uh, people pretending to be South African so they can get on planes. Passengers flying with a South African passport will now have to complete a quiz to prove that they are really genuinely South African. And just to be extra safe, the quiz in, is in Afrikaans, a language known only by 14% of the South African population. Nabil. Can you unpack this story for us? Yeah, I mean, reading that, like, you know, I, I mean, I, I hate to use the term racist because obviously Ryanair has never been embroiled in any racism scandals. But I, I, I mean, I, I would put it forth that the person who suggested it should probably answer a questionnaire about South Africa themselves. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> seriously, Afrikaans, not Zulu, not Osa, or any of the languages that people, like, indigenously of South African, that's like... Afrikaans is basically like, for, for lack of a better description, morphed Dutch. So it's like, you know, that's the equivalent of making people flying from England answer questionnaires written in Patois, which I think would be brilliant. You know, like, you imagine having to fill out Wagwan, where you really deal with it. What are you saying, fam? As a London, can you imagine like uh, <laughs> Boris Johnson, Wagwan? Well, I'm not quite sure exactly what is Guan, but me and my brethren here, the Tory man, them, are traveling to do some big things. <laughs> It's insane. <laughs> like, who sits down and thinks of this shit? What were they smoking when they thought of this? Like, seriously, I mean, and also, since when do people pretend to be South African? Like, I, I, <laughs> I mind blown. I, my, look, I might have been born yesterday, but I was awake all night. Never in my life I've heard people claim to be Italian. I've heard people claim to be American. I've heard people claim to be all sorts. But South Africa, that's not exactly one of the most historically popular countries in the world, as far as I remember. So why why would they come up with this? Just just say it, just admit it. You don't like South Africa. But I mean, why? Why Afrikaans is what I want to know. Like like you said, I think it's actually less than 14% of, of, of South Africans that speak that language. Um, I think uh, it's probably near to something like 10. And if you look at the linguistic history as well in South Africa, obviously with apartheid and stuff, there, there were times when um, indigenous African languages were made illegal. So not only is this crazy and stupid, it's also highly insensitive. So unlike Ryanair, I'm deeply disappointed. 
deeply, deeply disappointed. The combination of Ryanair and South Africa, I think, is leading to uh, a little <laughs> bit less sensitivity than we'd like. Uh, Neil, uh, your traditional languages have been banned before. <laughs> Do you have a take on this story? Well, uh, for... Uh, so I don't know why Ryanair are doing this. I'm, I'm not even sure I believe this whole thing because it's not a UK mandate. It's not an Irish government mandate. Um, I will not accept Ryanair establishing where I'm from. I will not accept a company that thinks that Beauvais is anywhere near Paris or <laughs> Charlois is anywhere near Brussels accepting where I'm from. I reckon if you could prove you were Zimbabwean, they would go, that's close enough. It's South Africa North <laughs> and you'd be grand. Any of these questions in any of these sorts of like British citizenship tests or Irish citizenship tests, you know, to prove that you're, you know, as, an, enough about a country. They're always bizarre. I was looking at one yesterday, actually. This is this is one of the sample questions genuinely from the uh, UK one. And it's, um, what created the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Ireland? And you're meant to choose the act of union. Uh, because the systematic <laughs> rape of a country's natural resources and brutal colonial subjugation of its people isn't one of the multiple choice options for some reason, apparently. <laughs> I just don't get half of this. I don't even, like, Ryanair do stuff for money. Why are they busy checking the bona fides of your passport? If this was in a situation where they said, um, listen, you absolutely have to fill in this form. You have to fill in this form to get on this plane and you can rent this special pen for five euros. <laughs> <laughs> I would believe if it was a ride air policy at that stage. Like these are the people, like they're not exactly known for their administration. Have you ever looked up a flight on Ryanair and that not actually booked the flight? About two days later, you get an email from them and it always says, still dreaming about Stansted. You're like, no one's ever <laughs> dreamt about Stansted. <laughs> We go there because we can't go to a better airport. You might as well say, still dreaming of the All Saints cover version of Under the Bridge. Oh. No. <laughs> it's not as good as the original. I think everyone who is in Stansted thinks they're having a nightmare about being in Stansted, but that's just what being in Stansted is like. Yeah, the sentence only makes sense as if, like, your wife or your husband is is thrashing around in bed going, the cues are outrageous and I've just seen a baby with a face tattoo. Are you still dreaming about Stansted? That's the only way it makes sense. Language news now. And after a long day of working for the government, who doesn't love to watch streamers and pro gamers play esports? The French is the answer to that question. L'Académie Française, ancient defenders of the French language, have banned a range of English language gamer slang uh, for government workers. The ban is apparently binding and uh, they are trying to encourage the use of real, proper, made-up French words instead of the uh, improper, casual, made-up English words. Um, <laughs> Neil, are you a gamer? Uh, I'm not a gamer. I don't... I don't speak French, um, uh, even though I have a French surname. Not only do I not speak French, I actually don't look like I speak French. Right now you do. <laughs> now I do in my stripy top, yes. <laughs> if you go to Montreal, if you go to the shop, they'll go bonjour, hello. And if you say hello, they'll continue in English. And if you say bonjour, they'll continue in French. I walked into the shops and they all just went, hello. Because they clearly have such an Irish head. They went, he has one language at, at best. Um, so I don't speak uh, speak French. I, I, I'm not a gamer. I can't imagine the gamer world is 
massively influenced by uh, Academy Francaise because I, I can't imagine any of them who you know are finishing a 27 hour marathon of Call of Duty off their faces on Red Bull and they're like je suis un pro gamer and the rest are like oh no 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 tu as dit pro gamer and they're like oh no je suis désolé je suis un joueur professionnel like I think it's a more kind of organic use of English that just it happens you know i don't think they should be necessarily worried about these things coming in well i mean they have been worried about it for hundreds of years them being french uh they don't want any adulteration of their of their french language although adultery is part of their process in all other forms of their life uh nabil would you use um government mandated non-slang terms for esports hell no man like i'm a gamer and you know like most true gamers i spend my time swearing at american teenagers uh, online while we play <laughs> Call of Duty. Um, I think, you know, on so many levels as a person who's like from a formerly colonized country where I had to learn English, um, you know, and, and also as an English speaker as well, I find it annoying because we speak so much French in English. We use so many French words. I think, you know, we should take umbrage to this. You know, where look, at um, that sounds French. Listen, I think if they're going to do that, then we might as well replace all the uh, French words that we use with English ones, we should, instead of déjà vu, turn to seeing it before, mate. Um, we should have, uh, <laughs> you know, instead of garage, it should be car hole. And uh, instead of garbage <laughs> or garbage, it should be Tory. You know, we need to replace everything. Hey, hit the politics bell, Ped. No politics here. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that being said, I, I mean, I speak um, a, a language other than English and French. Uh, I speak an African language called Hausa. And like with, with our language, like, like when new stuff comes up, I'm like, you know, like my wife speaks Punjabi, right? So I'm like, oh, what's the Punjabi word for software processor? And she's like, Nabil, shut up. You're being annoying again. Um, but like what we do is when there's a new word or a modern thing, we just say the word in our accent and then, then it becomes a word in our language. So, for example, air conditioner in my language, air conditioner. There you go. There you go, done. <laughs> done. So why, why, why change pro gamer to jeu professionnel when you could just be le pro gamer? I mean, like why, why do they have to be so? Some, of, I mean, I've seen some of the um, French versions they made of things, and it's damn near an entire sentence to describe one word. It's just so, so extra and unneeded and petty and French. To be fair, very, very French. I'm not a nationalistic man, but the only time um, it, it comes out is over language. When you're looking at, a, say, a European hotel website and say it's in German or French, and, I, you know, I'm a reasonable human being, but then I have to click on a little Union Jack to translate it into English, and a part of me goes, <laughs> could I give the French a go? I'm going I'm to give the French a go. <laughs> it's, it's what Michael Collins would have wanted. And then I realised that all I know is Cuisine de France and Renault Zoe, and I go, and I have to laugh. Click on the little Union flag. Well, I mean, I, I think if you're going to be like the French and you're going to insist on French words, they need to be more fun than the English words. So, for example, uh, it, in Welsh, the word for microwave is popti microdon, uh, but the slang word for it is popti ping, which is uh, <laughs> way more fun to say than microwave. And so I feel like then in that way you will embrace the fun of, of the new word rather than feeling like resentful at having to say, you know, jouer professionnel de, you know, e-sports or whatever it is. <laughs> Could you imagine a teenager saying that? Like, wow, about to play Street Fighter or Tekken. <laughs> what? And also, 
what gamer is gonna listen to this shit anyway? Like, what gamer really cares what what a bunch of adults that don't play video games have to say about? And all gamers are like three steps away from libertarian crypto fascists. So, <laughs> vive la révolution. Uh, that's all the time we have for our language news because now it's time for our chimp fake death news. That's true. That's a real thing. Uh, he's famous, beloved, and not as dead as he first appeared. Unlike Jesus Christ, he starred in George of the Jungle, celebrity chimpanzee and actor Tonka, who's known for such films as Buddy and George of the Jungle, was reported dead last year, tragically. Um, but it's it's now come out that his owner faked his death to prevent Peter from taking him away. Uh, Peter, the, the, the animal rights people, not just a person called Peter. Uh, Nabil, can you unpack this story for us? Yeah, I'm furious, man. Like, you know, this story gave me hope that Tupac is still alive, first of all. Uh, but that aside, <laughs> I hate Peter, man. I mean, first, first the Tiger King, now this. They're just taking away all the legends. Like, they found the uh, chimpanzee, um, you know, in this woman's house. And he was he had a he had an iPad and a flat screen TV a sixty inch flat screen TV. Why are they taking him away? He, he's living the same standard of life. The only difference between him and most men in America right now is that he doesn't have a podcast giving male dating advice. Apart from that, he's pretty much living, you know TV. It, it's just frustrating. Like just and also, how do they know it's the same chimp? Did they ask him? Hmm. Mm-hmm. How, how do they know? Like if if I, this woman to me did the wrong thing, I say don't snitch on yourself. Just say no, this is a different chimp that I found somewhere else. You have no proof. Like <laughs> wow, what are they gonna say? How can they prove it's not him? Do you think they broke it in and he's in front of the the, the sixty inch TV screen and they said, "What are you doing?" And he went, "Je suis in joueur professionnel." <laughs> <laughs> He's clearly playing Donkey Kong. If he's playing anything as a gym, it has to be Donkey Kong. I have a slight uh, problem with this. Well, I have a lot of problems with lots of this. But the she didn't fake the chimp's death. She said the chimp was dead. And the story said she faked the chimp's death. I just think that is disrespectful to people who've actually gone to the trouble to fake a death properly. They've driven to a beach. They've folded their clothes. They've hired a canoe. They've done all the stuff. <laughs> so unless his owner hired an especially hairy small stuntman to fall off a cliff, this is just a lie with no skill. That's what it is. That's true. I mean, it's like putting a putting a message on your answering machine saying, sorry, I'm dead, can't pick up the phone. Yeah. Uh, it's not as convincing as it could be. Because you know somebody would take that job. You know there's an agent out there who has rung a small hairy stuntman or actor and said, listen... Listen, jobs beget jobs, and who knows where this could lead. You nail this role, you could be in Planet of the Apes. Mark Wahlberg was in that. Just take the paycheck. But all she did was say, all she did was say he's gone, and he wasn't gone. Yeah, it was a lie. It was a lie. And this is the saddest thing about the world nowadays. Uh, we, we can we not believe that all our heroes are dead? Yeah, live in the brave new world of no heroes. Be your own hero. But at least have a funeral. You know what I mean. Have a funeral, yeah. have, I don't know, people fire bananas over a coffin. I don't know what you do with a gym <laughs> funeral. She I claimed he was know. cremated. <laughs> Say something about monkeypox. I don't know, but just don't go, oh, he's dead. He can't come to the phone right now. Make a fucking <laughs> effort. That's true. Also, I think the, the real, they're burying the real lead here, which is that uh, Peter was called to rescue this chimp from living in conditions that are not unlike what many Hollywood stars live in. 
uh, sort of isolated luxury watching television all day. And that's not considered abusive when we do it to people. So have a think about that. They'd have their hands busy during the Edinburgh Fringe Festival as well. Every comedian <laughs> would have to be rescued from a 40 grand one month long lease. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's all the time we have for our animal news because that is the end of our show. I'm flipping through the ad section at the back. Nabil Abdul Rashid, have you got anything to plug? Surprisingly, um, no, no. Well, I've got some work in progress shows which I will post up uh, on my uh, Twitter if anyone uh, f- still uses that uh, to do anything except for politicians. Uh, but outside of that, no, I have no plugging to do. I'm just happy to be here. Here for the culture. Thank you. And this episode of the podcast is brought to you by the question Why is some hair good and not other hair good? Uh, Neil Delamere, have you got anything to plug? Yeah, uh, I'm doing the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, uh, the Assembly Rooms in August. And I also have a podcast that we just started called Why Would You Tell Me That? For myself, my co host, we look at things, anything that interests us at all. So we had somebody, an economist, on talking about tulip mania last week. We had somebody on talking about um, the Scottish attempt at a colony in Panama. We had somebody talking about EPO. So anything that interests us in any uh, field, you can look us up uh, at Why Would You Tell Me That on Instagram. I'm going to sign up for that, actually. I I enjoy you on podcasts, Neil, as indicated by the fact that I have you on my (laughs) podcast. (laughs) I am also on tour. I'm I'm in uh, London at the moment on a boat, but don't come to the boat. Just come to my various gigs that are available on my uh, website or patreon.com slash Alice Fraser or Twitter or Instagram where I'm at alliterative, A-L-I-T-E-R-A-T-I-V-E. I'm judging the Dancy Lagarde Literary Tribute Competition and the prize will be out at the end of this month. £200 to the winner 200 pounds in real cash money and a thousand pounds in imaginary money that i make up um but 200 actual pounds um it's surprisingly good a lot of the entries i've had so many entries and it's ridiculous that a joke a whim i had about a joke has resulted in like 50 people sending me pornographic chapters of imaginary books I'd like to say a big thank you to our roving reporters, Eson Linji, who sent us the Elvis wedding story, Balenthian, who sent us the penis pendant story, Abdel Rahman, who sent us the Ryan Eyre story, and the Cricket List, who sent us the fake chimp death story. If you would like to be a roving reporter for The Gargle, tweet us with the stories you think are funny at Hello Garglers on Twitter. This is a Bugle Podcast and Alice Fraser production. Your executive producer is Chris Skinner. Your editor is Ped Hunter. I'll talk to you again next week. You can listen to other programmes from The Bugle, including The Bugle, The Last Post, Tiny Revolutions and The Gargle, wherever you find your podcasts. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalised card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com